Hi, this is John from Prodigal Church. We want to thank you for listening to this week's teaching. The best way to watch and listen is through our Prodigal mobile app, available at your app store. We hope you are moved to love God and others in a greater way. Now, let's dive right into this week's teaching. Well, welcome to Prodigal Church. We certainly don't take ourselves uh, too seriously. We are a church that likes to have fun, and yes, there's a football game today, and yes, I'm way too invested. And yes, Patrick Mahomes is my best friend. Um, But also today, there is a sermon to be done, a sermon series that we are finishing up our Not Today Satan series. And we hope that you've been tracking with us online. If you haven't, um, you can get caught up on all of our Not Today Satan series and all of our sermon series on the Prodigal app found at your app store or on our website, YouTube, or Apple Podcasts. Um, In week one of our series, we opened with probably the most famous passage of scripture in regards to spiritual warfare, and it was Ephesians chapter six. We read this in verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, here in verse 12, the word struggle is poly. And it means wrestling. Uh, It's a Greek athletic term referring to a contrast between two people who endeavor to throw the other person. And when we consider that the loser of this ancient Greek uh, wrestling match uh, had their eyes gorged out with resulting blindness for the rest of their lives, we can maybe get a picture of the intensity and some conception of the Greek's reaction to Paul's illustration. This is serious business. Uh, The Christian wrestling against the powers of darkness, Polly, is no less desperate and no less costly. Jesus uses this kind of hyperbolic language um, often, even in the Sermon on the Mount, right? He says that if your right hand causes you to sin or your right eye causes you to sin, cut it out. And then in week one, we focused in on the armor of God, right? You remember that? Got the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, uh, it has been pointed out by numerous pastors and scholars that almost all of this armor is by nature defensive, right? It is there to block the enemy's attacks. If they're not offensive, the, the only exception would be the sword of the spirit, right? The word of God. That is our one weapon here in Ephesians chapter six, the armor of God. Uh, But that is only if you stop at verse 17. I believe the next few verses are to be included and they drop another weapon that we have in our arsenal as a, a weapon of attack, not just defense. Look at verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is not the only weapon we have for attack. We also have prayer. Prayer is our most powerful weapon in breaking through the enemy's attacks. Paul says elsewhere in another letter to a church, this time in Corinth, he says this in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
Simply put, your prayers are conversations with God, but they are not only conversations with God. They have the power to demolish strongholds, to make an impact in the heavenly realms. In Daniel chapter 10, in this amazing Old Testament prophetic book, uh, really fleshes this out for us. And for some of you, this is going to really revolutionize your prayer life. It's going to be wild. Check out Daniel chapter 10, 1 through 3. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So just kind of the setting here, Daniel hears of this struggle in rebuilding Jerusalem, and he's concerned, he's worried, he's disappointed. So he fasts and prays to the Lord for three weeks, 21 days. And at the end of the third week, he is visited by an angel, has a supernatural encounter. And Daniel is very scared. Look at verse 10. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Now, Daniel had been fasting and praying for 21 days, three weeks. And then an angel shows up and says, since the first day your words were heard and I've come in response to them. Since day one, God heard your words and God sent me as a response. But if I'm Daniel, my next question is, dude, what took you so long? Okay, you said the very first day, God heard me and answered my prayer. And now we're 21 days later and you're just showing up now? Like a Prius could have got you here faster. How far is heaven to earth? I've been praying for three weeks. It took you this long? That's too long. Bye angel, peace, Get, be gone. But then the angel gives this explanation. For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. That's the NLT. What does that mean? Right? This appears to be like a, a high-ranking demon that had some kind of dominion or authority over the ancient nation of Persia. So the angel is released um, to, to give the answer to his prayers to Daniel. And then somewhere in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly realm, somewhere that we don't see, that we don't understand, that is unseen, uh, this angel is being detained by another supernatural being. All the while, Daniel never stops praying. See, there seems to be a correlation between Daniel's constant praying, his three weeks of fasting and praying, and the release of more angels into the battle. Because as Daniel continues to pray, other angels are released there to fight this demonic king 
prince of the Persian kingdom, this demonic authority, and then Michael is released to be able to answer Daniel's prayer. This is unbelievable because when I'm praying for something, I'll stop after a few days, perhaps after a few minutes. I certainly don't often keep going for three weeks. If I don't get an answer, if I don't get the answer I want, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Daniel persists for three weeks. How about you? When you're praying for something, when you're praying for someone, do you display the kind of endurance and resolve that we see here in Daniel chapter 10. He fasts and prays for three weeks with no answer. Now, I've read lots of books and heard lots of sermons on how God answers prayer. And the list that I've seen, that I've heard, that I've experienced in my own life goes something like this, right? Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says slow. And sometimes God says grow. And sometimes, as in Daniel chapter 10, God's answer is on the way, but spiritual forces of evil consider it so disruptive to their goals that they wage a battle to stop it. The story shows how Daniel's prayer released more angelic beings into this fight. And I don't think we're talking about one or two demons here, right? Like when I, when I was growing up and, and, I, and I was... Uh, a young kid in the, in the 1990s, 10, 11, 12 years old, and uh, we were at war with Saddam Hussein in Iraq, right? The Persian Gulf. And it was George Bush Sr. versus Saddam Hussein. Now, it wasn't really those two in a ring duking it out together in the war. No, they both represented armies. And I think that's what's going on here in the heavenly realms in Daniel chapter 10. It wasn't about two men. It was about armies. And in 2 Kings, we have a, a similar story. In 2 Kings, there's the story where Elisha the prophet becomes public enemy number one. Okay? The king of Aram hates Elisha the prophet because every time Elisha speaks, it is some kind of condemnation or some news that the king doesn't want to hear. All the great prophets did this. They confronted the injustice and the evil in those in power. And Elisha is doing this, and the king of Aram has had enough. And so he and his army surround the prophet Elisha. Elisha's in his tent with his servant, and they surround him in the middle of the night with hundreds and thousands of soldiers ready to strike at morning's light. And we pick it up at verse 15. This is 2 Kings chapter 6. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Whenever I read this story in the past, I would picture that when the servant's eyes were opened and he would see these chariots and these uh, chariots of fire and, and this, this heavenly army ready to do battle against the king of Aram and his army. That is not what's going on. Look at verse 16 again. Elisha says, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. It isn't those who are with us are greater than them. It's those who are with us is more 
than those who are with them. There are supernatural beings with them too. That's what 2 Kings 6 is saying. We've said this each week. There is always something we can't see influencing something that we can see. And prayer battles, fights those battles. Don't give up. Don't give up on your miracle. Don't give up on your prodigal son. Don't give up on that prayer request. Don't give up on your dream. Keep praying. Keep interceding. God uses our prayer life to, to wage war against the supernatural spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And we can't do it on our own, but we have authority in Jesus. We have victory in Christ. That him, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord on earth, on heaven, and under the earth, as, Ephesians, as the book of Philippians declares. At its most simple and most profound definition, prayer is simply just talking with God. Our heart connecting to God's heart. I read of a young boy who was on his knees at his bedside, praying with his mom, his regular nighttime prayers, and he began to shout. He said, Dear God, I've been such a good boy this year. I prayed that I would get a bike, a brand new bike, for my birthday. And his mom said, Son, God is not deaf, so you don't need to yell. And the son replied, Yes, but Grandma is deaf, and she's sleeping in the room next door. Prayer is not a tool for getting. Prayer is a means of becoming. That's gonna, that, will, that will revolutionize our prayer life as well. It's not a, he's, God's not Santa Claus. Okay? It, it, it's not a tool for getting. It's a, it's a means of becoming. It helps shape us into the kind of people we are called to be. The husbands were called to be. The children were called to be. The, the, the wives were called to be. The servants were called to be. The co-workers were called to be. The, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That as we talk with him, as we commune, as we spend time with God, we become better people. We become more loving. We become more grace-filled. We become less judgmental. James 5.16 says this, The earnest prayer of a righteous man or a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. See, right here in this verse, James tells us there's a connection between our righteousness, our right actions, our justice, and our prayer life. The two are connected. The verse isn't telling us that if you're righteous, that all of your prayers are going to be answered. Okay? That's not true. Otherwise, every prayer that the Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, prays would be answered. But that's not true. He got hurt last year at one point. We lost to the Raiders this year in week six. So all of his prayers haven't been answered. I pray that one more will, maybe just one. Rather, it doesn't tell us that if you're righteous, uh, that God will answer your prayers. Rather, it's leading us to the kind of prayer that doesn't just move God, but the kind of prayer that moves you and the kind of prayer that moves me. James is doing a wordplay here. He's using the same word to describe how we're to pray as he uses to describe the results of the prayer. And the word here is energeo. It's where we get the word energy. Okay, it's also where we get the word eo. Uh, and so it's literally saying that the energizing prayer of a righteous person has great power and energizing results. That's what James is saying. Energy is that which produces work. It's also that which produces results. So when we pray with that energy, we release kingdom of God power in this world. This isn't boring. There's kingdom energy being released as we pray, as we intercede, as we converse with Almighty God. It's not magic. 
but it is a unique opportunity and privilege for God's kingdom people. And you don't always get what you're asking. God would override the free will of creation. When we pray, we are energizing the world with the kingdom of God. Whether we see the results or not, we are aligning our hearts with the heart of Christ. A Stanford psychologist shared in trying to, to show the productivity of results, uh, he hired a logger. He says, I'll pay double what you get paid at a logging camp, but here's the kicker. You just have to hit this piece of wood with the blunt side of the ax. You don't have to ever break it, but just hit it with the blunt side of the ax and I'll pay you double. And after 30 minutes, he was done. He said, why'd you quit? He said, because every time I move an ax, I gotta see the chips fly. If I don't, it's no fun. Listen, as you pray, the chips are flying. You are making a difference in the heavenly realms. Angelic beings are being released to fight a supernatural war because of your prayers. Chips are flying whether you see it or not. Keep praying. Keep going. How's your prayer life? How are you equipped with the armor of God? Is it, are you walking the talk? Are you, as we continue this football metaphor, are you on the sidelines when God is calling you onto the field? Be who God says you are, brand new, deeply loved, called into God's mission in this world. When the enemy creeps into your thoughts and says that you are not enough, we declare, not today, Satan. When we are tempted by a temporary pleasure that will cause us much more loss in the end than gain, we declare, not today, Satan. When we don't see an answer to our deepest prayers, our deepest longings, when we don't see those chips flying, when we've been praying for three weeks and nothing has happened yet, may we continue to endure and may we declare to the devil, not today, Satan. Not today. God, I pray that, that everybody listening online, everybody watching from their phone, anybody watching on their TV or their computer screen now, God, that they would know that their prayers, their conversations with God has kingdom, energy, power to make a difference in this world. And so God, I pray that we would lean into that. God, that we would spend more time with you, that you would shape our hearts to become more like yours as we make a difference and as we bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.